Welcome to Beyond Cancer, a podcast from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute about some of the challenges that cancer survivors face after diagnosis. I'm Michael Buller, and today we're going to talk about fear and scanxiety. And I know that's a topic that just about anyone who's been diagnosed with cancer has faced at some point in their cancer experience. Today we're talking about that topic with Daniel Amadin and Jeremy Pivor. Thanks, guys, for coming in today. Uh, Daniel, could you first start and tell us a little bit about the story of your diagnosis? Yeah, Michael. So um, I was diagnosed when I was 29 years old with early-stage breast cancer. I underwent lumpectomy, uh, chemo, radiation, and now I'm going through hormone therapy and ovarian suppression. And uh, that's my, my treatment right now. And how, how many years out are you from uh, when you were diagnosed? I will be two years out in um, September. I was diagnosed in September 2014. That's great. And Jeremy, what about you? It's a bit of a long story. I was originally diagnosed uh, with a brain tumor when I was 12 years old in 2004. I had surgery to remove it at that point, which ended up causing a loss of movement on my right side. But I spent a couple months in the hospital and then years recovering and eventually regained most of my movement. Then I went off to college. And it was just in November 2014, I was actually abroad and came back home for Thanksgiving break and um, had an MRI, just a usual MRI, and it revealed that there was regrowth of the tumor. So unfortunately, this time around, the tumor's grown into an area that's not operable. So um, I went through six weeks of proton beam radiation, uh, followed by almost a year of chemotherapy, oral chemotherapy. And so I'm now just a few months off of treatment and now being followed every three months with scans to make sure there's no further growth of the tumor. That is a bit of a longer story. One of the most interesting things you said was, I, and I went f- for a normal R- MRI, which, yeah. so in the, in the cancer world, uh, for, for folks who are, who, you know, who just go through this routine of, okay, I'm going to have a, a CAT scan or I'm going to have a PET scan, I'm going to have an MRI scan six months, a year. It seems very normal, but it's not normal outside of, outside of the cancer survivors. So tell me a little bit just about how you prep for that mentally when you're going for your next scan. Hmm. It's, I don't know if it's a set process that I do. I mean, for me, because I was diagnosed at such an early age, getting MRI scans has been just, it's all I've known really. <laughs> it's uh, just been, for, it was at first just an annual process, not really thinking there was going to be further regrowth, but when I was diagnosed with my recurrence, uh, getting scans kind of meant something different because the actual possibility of the tumor growing further was very real. And so I actually just had a scan two weeks ago and kind of the process leading up to that, there was a lot of anxiety and trying to, you know, running through my head of all the different possibilities of what, what might be happening. And so you're kind of in this constant back and forth, this tug of war between trying not to think about it and it basically consuming everything you're actually thinking about. But for me, I try to just kind of take the mindset that I can't do anything about it, that um, what's going to happen is going to happen. And so I go into the scans obviously with a lot of anxiety, but kind of just trying to embrace the uncertainty that goes along with it. And luckily with that scan, everything was stable, so which was good. It's great. But yeah, it's a, it's a constant process of trying to, anxiety is normal, but not letting it to be all too consuming. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about this and, and we talked about sort of how I notice when I'm going for um, scans in the days leading up to it, I just get a lot more impatient. I notice it with my kids. 
some of that is just normal because they're kids. Things that wouldn't have bothered me bother me now. And I, I'm wondering if, Daniel, do you notice your personality shifting a little bit or you notice that you're a little bit more on edge as you get, get nearer those scans? Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, and it's just so stressful. You know, I am a year and a half out from treatment and I recently had a bone scan because I had felt some pain in my side near my breast and in my back. And, you know, your mind goes to, you know, is that the cancer coming back? Thank goodness it, it was all fine. But it's just the, the fear that it could be something. So I, it was definitely a stressful time of, um, you know, just being afraid for, you know, what the, the possibilities were. Do your friends notice anything? Like, do you ever hear from your friends and bothered by things that normally wouldn't bother you? Yeah, I, I would say my fiance probably notices <laughs> it the most. And, and you know, he's, he's afraid too. So we're both kind of on edge, I would say, until you know what the results are. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, a pretty similar experience where you're talking about, you know, the kind of when you feel those pains or things like mm -hmm. that, and that builds up the anxiety. I mean, for me before, just a few weeks before I had my scan, I had a period where I just, you know, lots of, the whole day I was just having headaches. And there's no way of knowing if the headaches are just from, are your sinuses like clogged or is it from the brain tumor? Yeah. You know, it's, there's no way of knowing, but it makes you more nervous and that just contributes to the baseline anxiety with the scan and wants you to get, and almost I just wanted to like the scan to be the next day. I hated the waiting part mm -hmm. to get to that. And for me, I tended to find that I actually would kind of close off to my family. You know, I just kind of get into my head and just just go throughout my day without really being as expressive and as open with everyone as I normally was, which wasn't the most healthy coping mechanism. At some point I got to a point in realizing that wasn't healthy and then would tell my family, particularly my mom who I'm living with right now, I'm really nervous about the upcoming scan. And you know, she would obviously know that because of my change in behavior, but I definitely, it's all those little things that just build up on that anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the elephant in the room, right? You know, if you don't bring it up, everybody knows that it's coming up. Everyone's sort of in their head has circled that date on the calendar. Uh, Daniel, you were saying that your fiance is, you know, he's nervous too. And it's like, a, you don't want to transfer that. You're nervous to, to them. And so I find myself like, I don't even want to bring it up. It's almost superstition. I don't want to talk about it because then what if the results come back yeah. negatively? Do you f talk about it uh, publicly? I or? don't really know. And I, I only have the experience of having the one scan. And um, I, it was just something that my fiance and I talked about and whether to even do it, whether I needed it. And it was mostly for peace of mind. Yeah. So that um, was just something I wanted to find out for myself just to know if, if I was healthy or or not um, so I I wanted to wait until I got the results to you know to share with other people right so you get the results and you say oh by the way I had yep. I had, I had a scan. And it's good news yeah <laughs> yeah and Jeremy in your case friends families what that's what they do is they worry about you and nobody worries about you more than than, than a mother right yeah so that's challenging um, I want to talk about this this notion of these symptoms that come up. Every time a symptom comes up, you, you, you want to attribute it to, to cancer. You say, you know, my foot hurts. Oh, that must be that must be the cancer. Or it could be that you banged your foot, one of the two. Um, yeah. So how do you deal with that as, like, as you get these little normal health ailments that come up in your day-to-day -day life? And how do you parse them from being, this is just me being human, and this is me being a cancer patient and a cancer survivor? Well, they, 
The doctors say that I think two weeks is the mark. So if, if you're feeling a pain and two weeks later you're still feeling it, that's something to be concerned about and to call the doctor and say, I've had this pain and I'm worried about it. What, you know, what should I do? So that is a good way to keep it in perspective that, yeah, it might just be, you know, a normal ache or pain. And if it's something that sticks around and bothers you and that's, that's, that could be a red flag. Yeah, I think if it's, I agree with that. If it's something persistent, then I would bring that up with my, with my doctor or the next time I saw them. Normally what I do is I actually keep a list on my phone. So if I have anything out of the ordinary that pops up, I'll put the date and what it was and how long it lasted for. And when I actually have my appointment, then I'll go through that list with my doctor. And more often than not, he'll just kind of tick it off being like, yeah, it's probably not exactly from the tumor, probably just you know a sinus cold. And so I think it's good to be in tune with your body and keeping track of what's going on, but not letting each and every potential symptom or, in my case, headache, be attributed to the cancer. Yeah, and, and that, that goes back to what you were saying earlier, which is acknowledging the anxiety, but not letting it consume you. And I found talking to a therapist, one of the tips that they gave me was sort of acknowledging that you're anxious and, and not trying to sort of pretend that you're not anxious and not trying to make it feel like you're not. So I, I wanted to actually talk a little bit about that and how important it is to, to have somebody to talk to, whether it's your family, or in many cases, you know, somebody who's more of a professional used to having these conversations and want to start, Danielle? Yeah, so I started meeting with a psychologist here at Dana-Farber, Dr. Fasciano, and she was great in just helping me just recognize what I had gone through and the losses that I experienced as a result and kind of how I just put that in perspective so that's great, Jeremy, for, for you, um, how important has it been to have somebody sort of outside your family to, to talk to? It's been really important for me. I've also been meeting with Dr. Faciano. She's really amazing and just helping you sort through everything. Um, because for me, I've tried to take a very open approach to my family, but there's just some things you need to sort through that your family can't necessarily help you with because they might not fully understand it. They also have their own things that they're going through that you might not be able to understand as a patient. So to have kind of a third party person like Dr. Bastiano to talk with and sort through whatever comes up, whether it's anxiety with scans or uncertainty or issues about identity and where do you go from here, just having her input. And more often than not, the best thing that comes from that is her letting you know that what you're experiencing isn't unique, that it, um, it happens to lots of people and lots of people that she sees. And that's a good reminder for me, knowing that the anxiety I'm feeling is normal or the concerns I'm having are normal, you know, because of the experience I'm going through and putting that all in perspective is helpful. Yeah. I, I think that's another great point is that notion that you're not the only one feeling this. And I think even as much as your family members can empathize with you and, and, and they can give you support. I think it's tremendously valuable just to talk to, to you guys, talk to other people who have, who have been through it, to hear other people voice the same concerns that are going through your head, and to know it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. Um, everyone else is, has the same issues with their digestive system or their whatever, whatever the case may be. You guys both went to the Young Adult Conference this last weekend that Dr. Fasciano was running. Yep. And so tell me a little bit about how, how that's a good support mechanism for sort of making you feel, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but to me, making me feel 
normal. Yeah, and you feel like you're not alone. There's other young adults, other patients who are going through the same thing, maybe not the exact cancer or the exact um, situation that you have, but you know, we're all um, going through this together and just knowing that that is really helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think because the Young Adult Conference, for me, it's the exact same feeling that there's, you're not alone, there's other people, there's other young adults who are actually going through this. And I think this topic that we're talking about is anxiety. You know, it's everyone with cancer experiences it, but for young adults particularly, it has a big impact because a bad scan can derail, you know, what you're doing in your life. When you're a young adult, you're trying to take off whatever you're doing, whether it's a family or your career or school. And so there's even more anxiety, I feel, with that within the young adult population. So that conference when there's only young adults, like talking to you, Danielle, yeah. and just knowing that everyone's going through that similar thing, it makes it just a bit easier. Yeah, and it's totally normal, I think, to feel worried and be afraid of um, the cancer coming back, but it's especially hard at a young age when you have to face your own mortality when you're you know, 20, 30 years old and you have your whole life ahead of you. It's difficult. <laughs> it's yeah. difficult, yeah. But it's helpful to kind of hear from other people's stories and how they handle it too. Exactly. You know? yeah. Yeah. And it's hard when you're having scans not to go to that place mm -hmm. of, of what's the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Because you always want to brace yourself for the worst and, and hope for the best, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's hard when you do that because it's not like you're taking an exam and the worst that happens is you fail the exam and you take it again. <laughs> not that it's going to happen to you. <laughs> but you know, it's, we're talking about different stakes when you're, when you're having scans that, that, that involve cancer. Yeah. It, it's interesting because we all come about it from very different fear of recurrence. Uh, my diagnosis is follicular lymphoma, which is an indolent non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which means that it's going to come back. It just, it's, it's gonna come back, whether it comes back in five years or 10 years or 20 years, it's gonna come back and we'll deal with it then. And so it's more of a chronic thing, um, whereas breast cancer, you're hoping for a cure. Yeah. You're now hoping that it, you're, you're in permanent remission or? Well, it's actually a similar both. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best hope for in the scan is stability, but based on the type of tumor I have, it's slow growing, which is, um, which I'm fortunate to have a tumor that is slow growing, but more likely than not, it will come back, like what you were saying. Yeah. And so it's about, yeah, hoping that there's treatments down the line at that point. You know, there's no way of knowing it's at five years, 10 years. And right. that's, for me, that's why I try to grapple with the scans is knowing that one of those scans will reveal further growth, but not knowing which scan's going to reveal mm -hmm. that, you right. know. Right, and not, and you know, I try not to, to sort of live by a calendar and say, oh, can I make it two years? Can I make it three years? And exactly, that's not living, yeah. 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 <laughs> But with you, Danielle, it's more that you can hope for continual, we, we hope continual yeah. good, good scans and, and hope to start lengthening out the scans to a point where, do you get to a point where you don't need scans? Yeah, I hope so. And I, I really um, just want to believe that all the tr aggressive treatment that I went through, you know, chemo and, and radiation and now this additional um, therapy, I just really hope that that worked and I just have to believe that you know, I, I did a lot, a lot of treatment to get rid of this cancer and that it worked, you know, and so hopefully um, I won't need the scans and, and I'll continue to be healthy. Yeah, that's what we all hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Knock on wood. Yeah. yeah. Or we could go into superstitions. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have any, anything that you do? Um, I have, I mean, I always wear 
this necklace, which is a chai, which is a Jewish symbol. It's two letters, a chai and a yud, which means life. My grandmother gave it to me during my bar mitzvah, and so um, I always wear that. How about you? Yeah, I, I do not. Unfortunately, maybe I'll have to get one. <laughs> <laughs> if I see you next time with a rabbit, rabbit's foot, I'll, 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 I'll know. Uh, that's a great symbol, and it's a good to have meaningful uh, symbols. So I think we had spoken earlier about it's for, for guys, sometimes it's harder to ask for help. That's the stereotype. I know it was hard for me to initially get over the, the hump of, of I initially went to therapy, then I stopped for a long time and then kind of got back into it. And I don't know if, Jeremy, if you've had similar hesitations, if, if the notion of having therapy was foreign to you or if it was something that you, you were more accepting to. I was pretty accepting to it. I think I'm an outlier to the stereotype, and part of it is just because I went through a similar experience as a kid, and right. so, and even from there, I, when I was a kid, getting adjusted back into school and just normal childhood, I, you know, had therapy back then too. So I knew it was helpful, and I was actually the one who, you know, initiated the conversation about wanting to start it this time around too, um, just knowing that. Yes, what I said before, I could talk with my family and friends, but there were some things that I just needed kind of a third party to talk to. And luckily, Dana-Farber just had those resources available that were really easy to access. And so for me, there wasn't as much of a barrier towards, towards accessing that. I'd say the only barrier is sometimes myself. I kind of think in my head that I can sort through things myself. I'm very mm -hmm. analytical, and I just try to absorb everything and sort through it, but it gets to a point where it almost gets to a boiling point where I can't sort through it all myself, and that's normally when I'll send that email or pick up the phone and call Karen and schedule an appointment, and then she helps kind of sort all of that with me. Yeah, it can be overwhelming, you know, all the feelings and just realizing what we've gone through, and it really is huge, you know, so having someone to provide that professional assistance was really helpful for me. I was glad to, you know, just get things off my chest and. Yeah, it gives you like a safe place to say just about anything, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, because if your spouse is doing something or your fiance or, or is is saying something that, you know, they think they're being helpful, but it's just driving you crazy, it's like maybe you can't bring that up to them. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you can say that in therapy. And if my wife's listening, that that hasn't happened. <laughs> um, what, for you though, you were mentioning that, like you go, but then you kind of take time off, what would, well, I kind of have two questions. What would get you to kind of stop doing it, but then what would get you to finally go back to it? I think one of the things that happened is I was treated, and so I kind of felt like I was done. And, and okay, I, I've got it under control. And much like you were saying, I'm analytical too, and I process, and I have a blog, and I. I process through writing usually, and talking is just, for me, a more difficult form of writing. Um, so I would write it out and I figured that, that, I, that I had it under control. But I was noticing that I was getting, you know, just little things were, were setting me off that shouldn't set me off. I've been healthy for a while and even with recent scans that may have shown some minor growth that I'm not overly worried about. Before that I was fine, but I was healthy fine, but I was, still was feeling like I just, I, I, was, I was angry more than I should be, and I couldn't figure out why. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was the cue for me after about, so I hadn't seen anybody for about two or three years. 
I think it was a combination of those things and it just took me a little bit longer to process that the path in my life is a little bit different than the path that I thought my life was going to be down, mm -hmm. um, but it was still a good path. Mm -hmm. And as I said to Daniel, my wife figured that out a lot quicker than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that happens as survivors is that you're, you're constantly surrounded by news of people, whether they're friends or colleagues. Uh, I, I seem to hear it every day, you know, oh, so-and-so was diagnosed with something. And I know I always look for it and say, well, was it a follicular lymphoma diagnosis? Or, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know. Do you, do you find that the news of friends and relatives or, or even celebrities set you thinking? And Yeah, absolutely. And as much as you try to put it out of your head that the cancer is going to come back, there's constant reminders out there. If it's a celebrity being diagnosed or dying, just this morning I found out that my ninth grade English teacher had died of cancer. So that automatically just makes me sad and, and makes me think, could, could that be me someday? And that's, that's the, the, the fear. And you just, you know, there's a danger in kind of obsessing about that, you know, is that gonna be me? And at some point you need to, you know, focus on, on you and your individual health and um, know that everyone has a different story, but you know, that there's just constant reminders out there about cancer and people getting sick and dying from it. Right, and I was, I'm so glad you brought up that, you know, that, that individual uh, comment because to me, that's, that's how I deal with it. Initially, I go to that place, it's like, oh, another person with cancer or another person who had a bad outcome with cancer and not, not everyone is uh, a 52-year-old Sorry, 53, I lost a year. 53-year-old <laughs> follicular lymphoma survivor diagnosed at this stage with this health condition. And, and you gotta, to me, I've gotta find that individuality. And even if it's the same type of cancer, it's, it's not the same person. I don't know, if, does news affect you like that, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, it does. I've had difficulties with that too. I've been involved a lot with the brain tumor community. And so knowing you know, lots of people either who've passed away during the past year that I've been going through treatment or whose treatment hasn't been as successful, you know, it then creates those scenarios in your head before you're going in for those scans. Well, what if I'm, like, what if that's my case as well, yeah. you know, and you see what that actually looks like. And so that helps play into those scenarios that increase anxiety. And so it makes it definitely difficult and adds a lot of stress. But what I also try to do is then kind of think about it the other side of it that right now my treatment is successful with my diagnosis I'm lucky that I have a slow-growing tumor that I have the ability to enjoy my life right now you know enjoy the present and kind of seeing other people whose stories are potentially going different direction makes me appreciate the, what I have right now and also reminds me not to kind of let that all that anxiety take over you know what I'm actually trying to focus on and trying to focus on living life to the fullest. And so it's a it's a reminder, but also it's it's a funny how it's kind of both directions. It adds stress, but also as a reminder to not let that stress again be consuming. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point. Um, Maybe I'm, I'm a topic we haven't really discussed too much is dealing with that broader term of uncertainty. And I know that's kind of a whole separate yeah. topic in some ways, but a lot of the uncertainty plays into 
the anxiety with the scans. And I don't know, I know for me, what I do to try to handle that uncertainty, but I'm always interested to hear kind of what, how yeah. other people yeah. handle that. Yeah, and I was just looking back at notes from um, recent conference, a psychologist talking about this exact topic, fear, and just looking at, you know, what she had said that, you know, these are big feelings and it's normal to fear this way. And worry is most often unanswered questions. So that I thought was just a like really, really, you know, important point to realize that a lot of it's about, you know, just asking questions, like finding out information for yourself and not just letting that, you know, those questions fester in your mind and actually finding answers or asking for a test that could put, you know, some of your fears at ease. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually really important yeah. because before I had my most recent MRI, yeah. I was having that same thought. I was just creating all these different scenarios yeah. and not having any borders to the scenarios I was creating. And yeah. I remember talking with Karen Passiano and telling her, I just, I need to get more information. Yeah. And I know there's no crystal ball, mm -hmm. but I you know, need to at least get some borders to where my mind is going when all these scans are coming up. And so when I had my scan and I met with my um, oncologist, I had more questions to ask him, particularly about, you know, what does looking down the road, you know, is it a potential that's going to just stay stable or will there be, is it more likely there will be further growth? And his answer was there will be further growth, which obviously was not the answer I wanted, but it's actually helped me because it helped me put kind of those borders to where all these scenarios were going and knowing that, you know, in three months, it's, it's, I don't need to be worried that everything's gonna just completely turn on its head in three months, but yes, maybe in five years or something along those lines, something will change. Yeah, and I think it's just so important to get information because what that does is it helps you gain some control over a situation that is uncontrollable. You know, so if you can ask questions and get some, some answers and some peace of mind, um, and, and feel like you have a little bit of control, that just really helps. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's that uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. you know, and, and for me, it's about having a plan. The way my mind works, if this happens, then I'm gonna do this. If this happens, then I'm gonna do that. I think in the, the absence of a plan, it's like, well, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do if, this, if, if the scans come back like this? So I'm a big believer in information is good. Now, I think there's also the danger, the flip side of too much information, mm -hmm. which is what you find on, on the internet yeah. at two in the oh, morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we stay away from that. Right. <laughs> I know a lot of patients and cancer survivors, they try and sort of shield their family from the anxiety and the fear that they're feeling. But I think deep down we know that it's happening. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you do with your fiance or any way that you help him manage the anxiety or how you deal with that? Yeah, I think it really is kind of the elephant in the room. So just addressing it, just recognizing that it's there, you know, and talking about it, that's really all you can do until you have some answers. Does he want to talk about it when it's yeah, coming up? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. But at the same time, I just can't wait for the scan to be over to get to that point. I, the hardest part is just, you know, waiting for waiting to go in and then waiting for the results, that, yeah. that's, that's hard. I wanna just uh, end, if we could, with just a, one piece of advice. If you were talking to other survivors who 
are coming up on a scan or facing this idea of scanxiety and fear of, of, of the recurrence. What's the one parting piece of advice you'd give to them? I'd say for me an important lesson I've learned through my experience is it's okay and it's important to be vulnerable and in, in multiple ways. I think my initial reaction to my diagnosis and just going through everything was to close off, like you said, shielding, shielding what was going on with myself to others. A lot of that stemmed from having gone through this as a kid and just having so much support, I didn't want to feel like a burden again on everyone. But that wasn't healthy for me because everything would just build up in my head, all that anxiety. It also wasn't healthy or helpful for my family who was trying to support me but didn't know how because I wasn't opening up to them. And so when I got to the point of being comfortable with sharing with them what I was feeling, not only did that reduce the burden on me, but it also helped them as well. I think it helped them with the anxiety they had, but also we were able to actually talk with each other and figure out how do we help each other through this process. And it's, it's scary to be vulnerable like that, but I think it's really important. And also there's another layer to that vulnerability and like what we're doing right now, being okay sharing our stories with each other and realizing that yes, the physical side of what we're going through with each can of our cancers is unique and the symptoms and the treatments are all unique, but there's all these similar emotional struggles and talking through that is helpful because you recognize that kind of in that shared experience, you're not alone. And so what you're feeling isn't abnormal and that kind of helps quell the anxiety that comes along with all of that. So it, it's hard, but it finds some way to just kind of be vulnerable or just be open um, with sharing with someone that you trust or another person maybe going through a similar situation, it can be really helpful. Yeah, I would say absolutely. Talking to people who either have been through this or someone like Dr. Fasciano, a psychologist, a therapist. For me, I've been lucky to meet other young women who have been in my same boat. So they've had scans, they've gone through the same treatment that I have. So being able to reach out to them and say, you know, hey, did you get a scan? Like what, what did, did you ever feel these symptoms? What do you, what do you think about it? Just being able to ask other people what they've been through really helps me know what I need to do. If, you know, if I need to, to go get a scan, then that's just gonna give me some peace of mind. Gives you more information. Like it gives you more information, about. yeah. And be, just being able to gather that information and try to have some sense of control is just so important. I agree 100%. I think those are great points, and I think that's going to be a great way to, to wrap it up here. Thanks very much, Danielle and Jeremy. I appreciate you guys coming in and sharing your stories today. And that's going to do it for this episode of Beyond Cancer. To hear more episodes of Beyond Cancer and to learn about other podcasts from Dana-Farber, you can visit www.danafarber.org podcasts. You can also download this via iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn. And if you like this podcast, you might also like our Cancer Conversations podcast, which you can also find at danafarber.org podcasts. I'm Michael Buller. Thanks for listening.